and you're listening to a sermon from Bent Tree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bent Tree, visit BentTreeChurch.com. Amen, amen. Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. Today we come before you thankful, hearts full of gratitude for all you have done, and it is our breath. It's your breath in our lungs, God, that we give back to you. We give this time to you. We give our thoughts to you. We give every moment, God. We pray that you come and speak to us today, and we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Woo, Adam, you led some good worship there today, bud. Good job, man. Um, Bentry Church, good morning. How are we all doing today, guys? Good, good. Um, it's good to hear, for those of you who I haven't met yet, I am Jeff, that's my name, and I'll be filling in again today for Pastor Paul, but I do promise uh, he will be back up here next week to get us back on track with our series through the Gospel of John, so that you may believe John 6, man, I can't wait. It's going to be fun, it's going to be a good one, uh, so make sure you're here next week for that, but unfortunately, I regret to inform you that you've got JV preaching today, sorry, I'm up here. Um, no, I actually, I think you guys are going to be blessed by today's message. It's going to be really good. Uh, we're going to take it right where we left off last week, because that's how we do things here at Bentry Church, right? We, uh, we go verse by verse through the Bible. Hunter already mentioned it, biblical truth, it's our highest value here. And so that's, that's it, verse by verse. We're going to take it from where we left off last week. Uh, we're going to be in the third and final parable or story there at the end of Matthew 25. And uh, I just love saying this, we go deep to grow deep. There you guys, you guys are awake. I love it. Well, before I get into our sermon today, I do need to make an announcement, and that is regarding our D3 conference coming up here uh, in just seven short weeks. How many of you guys are excited for that? How many of you guys went last year? Yeah, it's awesome. We are, uh, we are pumped. Uh, D3 2022 was one of my highlights from last year as I was reflecting on it, and um, this next year we've got even more amazingness planned for you all. We've got more breakout sessions, a great keynote lined up, and if you were listening really closely, um, you guys heard me. I mentioned that uh, we're actually going to start on Friday as well. So March 4th, that's our theme, but we're going to start on Friday night, March 3rd. Uh, We're going to kick it off with a second keynote. Uh, We're going to have an extended time of worship and I know I'm going to get the loudest amen for this. We're going to have an old-fashioned ice cream social afterwards. So, um, yeah, can I get an amen for Bluebell ice cream? Amen. Amen for that, right? It's like Mexican food, all right? There's just certain things that go along with Bent Tree Church. Bluebell's one of them, um, and I can't wait, and it's going to be great, uh, but I do want to ask you guys a favor. If you are planning on going, would you please uh, register? Uh, that helps us to get stuff lined up. Um, you can go to btc.churchcenter.com as well to do that. Again, that's btc.churchcenter.com. That's where that link will take you. You can navigate to events, and you guys will see, um, yeah, it's our featured event. Um, Heads up, we have raised ticket prices a little bit since last year, but trust me, it's worth it. $25 will cover you for Friday night and Saturday morning, and I'm telling you, this weekend's going to be life-changing. Like I said, worship, teaching, uh, fellowship, snacks, all right, all of that. Um, And I know 25 ain't cheap, uh, but here's the deal. I know it doesn't go as far as it used to, $25, but isn't your personal sanctification worth an investment, right? Isn't it worth it uh, for us to become more fruitful disciples of Christ? Uh, I promise you this, you will not regret carving out um, that weekend there in March 3rd and 4th. So mark your calendars. It will be a monumental day for relational discipleship here at Bent Tree Church. So take a second, register right now. 
With that being said, last chance to scan the QR code. Let's bow our heads and would you guys pray with me? God, we are so excited for your plans here at Bentry. We are thrilled by the future that you've got in store for us, but we also recognize that when your spirit moves, the devil pushes back. So right now, I claim your authority, Christ, um, to drive out the evil one, and I pray in your name, Jesus, that your word would come to us today, that you would teach us and that we would obey right? I pray that it would transform us from the inside out and that we wouldn't harden our hearts. I pray that we would have eyes to see people the way you see people. We'd have hearts that break for people just the way your heart breaks for people, God. And I pray that we would have ears to hear your still, small voice and that you'd still our hearts right now, that we would focus on you. So help us to move in boldness and courage where you lead us. Help us to step up and serve and give and sacrifice the way you gave and serve and sacrificed. And you held nothing back on the cross, Jesus. So help us now to not hold anything back from you. This is what we pray. Come have your way. This is what we pray. Come have your way, Lord Jesus. And it's in Jesus' holy name that all God's people prayed and said, Amen. Well, if you're able, would you guys please stand with me one last time as we read God's uh, passage for the day. Um, I'll read it. You guys can follow along on the screen. Again, this is the third and final story in the uh, um, 25th chapter of Matthew, starting in verse 31. I'll read it. You guys can follow along. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked. You did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You guys can go ahead and take your seats. When it comes to serving the least of these, we often think, well, what's the least we can do? All right? Those canned beans that we'll never eat. For us, it's garbanzo, right? Sitting in the back of our pantry. We can donate those. It's the least we can do. Um, That coat, that ratted old jacket that we don't wear anymore, right? We can give that away. We can donate that. It's the least we can do. Um, visiting Nana um, on her birthday or praying for our cousin every once in a while, that's the least we can do, right? When it comes to serving the least of these, our thoughts are often framed around this question. What is the least we can do? 
What is the least we can do? And guys, this is false doctrine, all right? We talk a lot about false teaching here at Bent Tree, but this question right here, this question undergirds the falsest of religious practice. Um, you can maybe look this up with your D3 group later, but consider what James 1.27 says. James 1.27 says that pure, faultless religion before God the Father is one that cares for the least of these. Therefore, if true religion strives to care for the least of these, false religious practice is one that asks, what's the least we can do? What's the bare minimum? What's the smallest token amount we can give? What's the shortest distance I have to go out of my way, Lord? What's the least I can do to serve the least of these? Guys, this is a false way of thinking that I aim to destroy today. But before I take out the sledgehammer of Scripture to demolish this argument, I, I've got to make a confession for you all. And um, guys, this question has framed the way I viewed serving God. Um, and it's humiliating to admit as a pastor, but um, here's the deal. I know that I'm super selfish with my time and energy um, and money. Um, <laughs> But it's not my fault because I'm an only child, all right? That's the truth, all right? Um, I can't help the fact that I got all my parents' love and attention growing up, and you guys didn't get enough, all right? Um, <laughs> but seriously, uh, I didn't have to share anything with anyone growing up. And I'm not trying to be facetious here. Um, my default mode is self-centeredness. Uh, think about this for a second. I'm standing in front of you all talking right now, and you all are staring at me. And for most of you, that would probably terrify you, but not me, <laughs> right? I kind of like it. I, I actually think that being the center of attention is one of my spiritual gifts. Um, <laughs> I, don't amen that. Um, <laughs> uh, seriously, though, and this is humbling to say um, out loud, deep down in my gut, I, there's a part of me that doesn't really like serving others all that much. Um, here's my faults. I know I'm not a great listener. Um, I know that I don't let people finish their sentences around me all the time. Um, I know I'm not conscientious of others as I could be. I'm usually unaware of how most people are feeling about me um, and around me uh, most of the time. And again, I'm not saying this to be facetious or self-serving. I'm saying this because I know the root of selfishness really well. Um, I've lived with it for 36 years. Um, but here's what I also know. I know that the text that we read has the power to demolish selfishness because it's been really beneficial to me, and I think it'll be beneficial for you. I believe that the text we read in Matthew 25 is one of the most powerful texts we have in the entire Bible for demolishing selfishness within us. And hear me out. I'm not speaking in hyperbole here. The parable at the end of Matthew 25 um, will demolish selfishness in us if we let it. Um, but here's what I know about selfishness in humanity. Selfishness is an easy mode for us to operate in, for selfishness is the path of least resistance. If we're talking about the least of these, here's what causes the least resistance in me, selfishness, all right? It just comes naturally to all of us, and being selfish is the easy thing to do. Um, just think, no one had to work with you, all right, to help you become more selfish. Uh, selfishness is something we all struggle with, all right, but it's not something we all struggled and had to strive for to like acquire, right? Um, if you don't believe me that selfishness is something that comes naturally to all humanity, just ask a sleep-deprived parent, all right? They'll give you a hearty amen, all right? Um, any parent will tell you they didn't have to work with their kids to be more self-centered. It just comes naturally to all humanity. It's a frictionless path for us. It's the path of least resistance, um, 
Consider this, when you're trying to be tactful, right? In those situations where you've got to be tactful, it takes most of your attention, all right, to conceal your selfishness, all right? That's because selfishness is the path of least resistance. It's our modus operandi as humans, all right? And if you don't think you're very selfish, um, sorry to kind of point the finger right now, but if you don't think you're very selfish, just ask someone who works with you closely or someone in your family, all right? Um, they'll probably tell you the ways in which you've been selfish um, because it's a real problem for all of us. From womb to tomb, selfishness mars all of our relationships. It circumvents our success as a species, and it prevents all these powers of potential cooperation. But selfishness doesn't just mar humanity. It mars you, and it mars me. And what's sad is that it comes naturally. It's the path of least resistance. Now, I want to do something a little bit different today. Um, Here's what I want to do. I'm going to read some scripture for you guys, and here's what I want to ask you to do as I read this scripture. I want you to make some confessions, all right? Not out loud, all right? Um, But just as I made some confessions earlier, I want to ask you guys to make some confessions. This text comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 4, and you can see I had to use smaller font on it because it's a really, really long list. Um... For people will be lovers of self, and then you see, you could actually put like a colon here, because all of these things are symptoms of selfishness. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read this verse. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and if it's something that you've done, or if it's something you've experienced even this last week, I just want you to raise your hand, all right? Um, And here's the thing. I need this to land with you. All right, this is ground zero for the talk today. If we're going to let the parable at the end of Matthew 25 uh, change us from the inside out, we need to recognize how we need to be changed. All right, so um, here goes. Would you guys all close your eyes now? All right, for me. And raise your hand if you've been guilty of one of these things. If you've ever loved money, raise your hand. Um, If you've ever been proud or arrogant, raise your hand. If you've ever been abusive, raise your hand. Um, For kids, if you've ever been disobedient to your parents, that's here in this verse. Um, If you've ever been ungrateful, raise your hand. If you've ever been unholy, raise your hand. If you've ever been heartless or unappeasable or slanderous, that means gossip, raise your hand. If you've ever been without self-control or even brutal with the ones you love, raise your hand. If you've ever loved good, if you've ever been treacherous or betrayed people around you that you love, raise your hand. If you've been reckless or swollen with conceit, raise your hand. The last one, if you've ever been a lover of pleasure, raise your hand. You guys can put your hands down, um, and you can open your eyes and look at me. This is all of us, all right? I didn't look. I was looking at the verse, all right? But I know we all raised our hand in this, all right? Um, Here's how the verse ends, by the way. I took out the last five words. People will be lovers of self. Here's your symptoms rather than lovers of God. And that right there at the very end points to the cure. That points to what we need as Christians. We need to be transformed from the inside out to be lovers of God rather than lovers of self. Because as I said, selfishness is it's just de facto. It's just default. So we need to be changed from the inside out because that's what will destroy selfishness in us. Now, You may be asking yourself, though, why did we do this? Like, what good does it do, Jeff, to point out how selfish I am? Well, duh, you guys come to church to feel bad, right? (laughs) No, no, (laughs) that's a false doctrine right there. No, we come to church because God has the goods, all right? God has the gospel truth that has the power to set us free from the selfishness inside all of us. But there is a critical first step. Um, 
the first step to embracing the gospel solution is to recognize the problem, all right? And the problem lies within all of us. And I can't preach this message to you guys if you don't first recognize that the problem is within you, all right? You, truth won't transform you if you think that selfishness is someone else's problem. I'm telling you, church, we all need to be transformed in this. This isn't an elbow-your-friend sermon. This is an elbow-yourself, all right, moment, okay? Um, we all need to recognize that selfishness is deep-rooted inside of all of us. And we need to recognize this because here's what James 3.16 says that selfishness will do, okay? You've heard of John 3.16. I want to point you to James 3.16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, where selfishness is, there will be disorder and every vile practice. John 3.16 speaks to the gospel solution, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. There's your gospel solution right here. This is your gospel problem, James 3.16, all right? And I need you to take a closer look at this verse because... The first thing that comes as a result of selfishness ruling within us is disorder. Disorder. Think about it. When everyone on a team is jockeying for position, right? When everyone's acting in selfishness on a team, the team loses because there's no I in team, all right? Um, And whether it's basketball or football or maybe it's your staff team or maybe it's your family, all right? We're only successful as a team when we're sacrificial and selfless, first of all. And you guys know this. You guys know that teams and families and workplaces, the ones that are most dysfunctional are the ones where selfish ambition rules, right? But disorder isn't the only thing that selfishness um, creates or foments in us. Now, you see what else comes with it. Every vile practice comes hand in hand, strolling down the lane with selfishness, all right? Um, Because here's the deal. When everyone is out to get what they want, you better get out of the way, right? Don't get in my way when I'm trying to get what I want. You know what happens in a world where might makes right, all right? Every evil, vile thing you can think of, all right? You'll be eaten alive if you stand in the way of someone else's selfish desires. And we know this because selfishness is at the root of all human evil. So we must destroy the selfishness within us or selfishness will destroy us and everything we love. Friends, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the primary tool I believe that he uses is this, selfishness. So like I said, if there's any point I need you to understand today before we get to our text, it's this, that selfishness is what makes the world so brutal, so evil, so horrible. Selfishness is what makes the world hellish. Um. Studies have constantly shown that we as a species, we have more than enough food to feed everyone on the planet. We could solve world hunger tomorrow. You've probably heard this before, but here's the truth. We all just have different priorities, right? We simply have different priorities. We spend billions of dollars as a species, trillions of dollars as a species on beer and porn and video games and a thousand other things that we don't need just to fulfill our selfish desires. And all at the same time, we ignore the people around us in need and don't Don't get me wrong. I'm not like a communist and saying we should steal from the rich and give to the poor. No, I'm saying we all should take up this cause of selflessness because the truth is selfishness is what makes the world so hellish. Consider for a second the worst things you've ever done. You were probably acting in selfishness, if you're honest with yourself. All right? Um, Or consider the worst things that have ever been done to you. 
We've all had horrible things done to us. There was probably someone on the other side of that transaction acting selfishly. Selfishness is what makes the world hellish. I want to tell a story really quickly. Um, This is not in the Bible, so I'm going to step away from um, the pulpit for a second. Um, This is not scriptural by any means, all right? But this is a really good analogy as to um, what makes hell so hellish, and I believe it's selfishness. So um, this dude dies, all right? And he goes, um, and he stands before St. Peter, and Peter says, hey, before I tell you your final destination, I want to take you to go and look at these two destinations, Okay, so Peter takes him to the first place, and in this first place, there's this giant banquet table, and everyone's sitting there, and there's food of all kinds, all kinds of Mexican food, and bluebell ice cream, and everything else, Chick-fil-A, all right, Um, everything else we here at Bentry love, all right, it's filled with it, but the thing is, is it's not filled with happy people, everyone around this table, this banquet, is sad, and they're mourning, and they're angry, because here's the deal, they've got two by fours, all right, on their arms, and they can't bring the food to their mouth. They just, see how they can't lift? They can't get the food to their mouth. And so they're angry, they're mad, they're cursing people around them. That's the first place. Anyway, Peter takes the dude to the next place. And it's eerily similar. Big, long table, Mexican food, Chick-fil-A, bluebell ice cream. Everyone's there, but the thing is, is people aren't mourning. They're not sad. They're not depressed. They're not angry. They're not cursing each other. People are happy, but they still got the two-by-fours. Well, it's because in this place, everyone's sharing. Everyone's taking care of each other, and they're feeding each other. And now you know which one was hell and which one was heaven. In selfishness, is what makes hell so hellish. But having our hearts transformed by Christ to where we want to share, to where we want to give, all right, that's what brings heaven to earth, friends. And I truly believe that serving others, guys, this is what's going to sanctify us. It's what sanctifies the believer from all the selfishness inside of us. Hear me now, Bent Tree Church, serving others is what sanctifies us from the disease that is selfishness. I don't want you to hear me wrong. What saves us is Christ's sacrifice and believing in that, all right? But what he uses to sanctify us, all right, is serving others. And this is the big what of my talk. I've only got two more points to hit, heads up. The next point, how, and the last point, why, all right? But this right here, this is what Jesus preached. This is the basis of his upside-down kingdom, all right? It's what makes heaven so heavenly, and it's what taking up your cross and following Christ means, All right, serving the least of these is just what we do as Christians because Christ has transformed us to do so. Um, I think about the song, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Um, You might not know it right off the top of your head, but it's the one that goes, glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah. All right, um, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. I love the final verse of this hymn. Uh, It says, in the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. Um, Firstly, I love that line because it's an American hymn, right? Christ was born over there, right? But here's the deal. Christ was born with a, a a glory in his bosom, in his chest, in his heart that transfigures you and me. He transforms us from the inside out that we would serve others like he serves others, okay? Um, And it's the next line that really lands with me. 
As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. His truth is marching on. And I need you to think about the context of this hymn, written right around the time of the Civil War, where men would be marching to this hymn, as he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. This is the cry, all right, of the Christian. This is the heartbeat of any Christian warrior, of anyone that would seek to serve God. He transfigures us that we would also die to ourselves and serve others the way he died for us. What did Christ do? He served, and he died to make us holy, and it's what his holy love does in us, is it transfigures us to serve others. And so, friends, this is what will sanctify us from the selfishness that rules inside of us, the selfishness that will demolish every good thing within us. It's serving others, and it's what makes us look more like him. Um, if you've heard me preach for any length of time, you've probably heard uh, one of my favorite verses. It's Mark ten forty five. It says that even the Son of Man, that's Christ, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, never once sought to be served. He came to this earth to serve. And if you're looking for a simple one-word answer, you know that bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? Have you seen those bracelets before? The what Jesus would do, if you're looking for a simple one-word answer, it's this, he would serve. That's what Jesus would do, all right? Um, and the thing is, is he has us to serve as his disciples. He has us serve um, not because he needs it. Get this clear in your head. He doesn't have us serve because he needs it. No, serving others and loving the least of these, that's what we need. Like after our belief in him, this is what he uses to purify us from the selfishness that would rule us. Serving and sacrificing and giving, this is the what that Jesus calls us to as his disciples, as his Christians. Now, if serving others and loving the least of these is what Jesus calls us to, let's talk about the second point of my talk, all right? And that's how. Let's talk about how does Jesus want us to serve others, all right? Um, And this is where I want to come back to the text, all right? So coming back to Matthew 25 to conclude his sermon on the Mount of Olives, all right? Um, this is Jesus' last teaching before he's going to be crucified. All right? Um, he talks about sorting sheep from goats. All right? And he talks about how we're going to be judged at the end of all time. Um, and the way we'll be judged, or one of the ways in which we'll be judged, has to do with how we serve others. And, and I need to make this clear. Make no mistake, guys. Your faith is what saves you. Your faith alone is what saves you. I'm not trying to add to your faith and say you need to do this work. All right, your faith is what saves you, but your faith is evidenced by how you serve others. Okay, um, and this is what ex- exactly what Jesus describes in Matthew twenty-five. He um, he talks about how the evidence of our, fa- of our faith will be evaluated at the end of all time. So, verse thirty-one: When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All right, verse thirty-one: Christ is pointing to the end of all time when all of us will be judged. It's the day of reckoning. That's what I preached on last week. Um, But we'll all be there, all right? Um, Every single one of us will be in the king's throne room, and the king's court will be filled with glory and angels, and we're going to take the stand before the king. Before him will be gathered all the nations. That's you and that's me, guys. He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. 
Just as a shepherd would separate sheep from goats, or for me, how I would separate blessed CU buffaloes from the cursed CSU rams. Yeah, I'm not going to make a lot of friends with that in here. But here, let me give you a non-biblical proof. You can't spell cursed without CSU, okay? Anyway, coming back to the separation. Um, God puts those whose faith is in him alone on his left, all right, uh, or excuse me, on his um, right, uh, and then all of those who do not have faith in him on his left, all right? Everyone whose faith is in him alone is on one side and everyone else is in the other group. Guys, every single one of us will be judged. And I'm not saying this to scare you. You guys know this. I'm not saying this at all. No, Jesus himself is saying that everyone will be judged by whether or not they believe or don't. Those who do believe, those who are the sheep in his pasture, who hear their good shepherd's voice, those who hear the voice Brooke, as you saying, that it makes the dead heart come alive, all right? We'll all go to his right, and everyone else will go to his left. And this is the great dividing line of humanity. It's whether or not you've entrusted your life to Christ or not. And friends, make no mistake, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. You either believe in Jesus or you don't. And don't think that you can, like, serve your way into sheepship. Right? If I just serve hard enough, maybe he'll count me as sheep. No, that's not it at all. You've either entrusted your life to Christ and you've had your heart transformed from the inside out to love others like Jesus, or you haven't. And what we'll see next is how those who believe, how they demonstrate their love, um, how they demonstrate their faith in Christ. The king will say to those on his right, the sheep, he'll say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Um, I want to pause for a second on this word blessed. Uh, dearest Christian, you do realize what a blessing it is to be a follower of Christ. Yes, you do realize what a blessing it is, how blessed you've been to have been chosen by the king to follow him. Guys, we who've been regenerated by Christ, we've been more than just hashtag blessed. All right, no, we've been really, truly, sincerely blessed from before the foundation of the world. And I think it's worth pausing on this word because we often get to thinking that Christianity is out to just suck all the fun, right? That's not it though. It is a blessing to be a sheep of the king um, because he makes us to lay down in still pastures, right? He leads us beside quiet waters and he restores our soul. It is a blessing that we get to have faith in him. And guys, do you know why he blesses us? That we would bless others. And this is primary, friends. How we bless others is how we show the world we believe. All right? Um, Guys, more than that, it's exhibit A. It's the very first thing that Jesus points to. All right? Your faith will be evidenced by exhibit A, how you take care of the least of these. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. This is what sheep do. They give food to the hungry. They give drink to the thirsty and they welcome the strangers. And friends, I need to... I need this passage to convict you. I think it's something that even if you know that you know that you know you're saved, you need to let this passage speak directly to your heart. Because here's the deal. You might not see it, but there are just hundreds of people around you dying for an ounce of your attention and care. Your friends, your loved ones, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, they're parched and they're starving for just a morsel of concern from you. And I bet, guys, if I just pause for a second... You guys can probably think of someone this week 
that you turned a blind eye to, that you neglected, that they needed something from you, and you went down the path of least resistance. And beyond the people that you know well, um, there's acquaintances, there's strangers, right? There's people that you pass by on the street, at the grocery store, wherever, and you never think to give them welcome into the kingdom of God. But that's just not how we as Christians are supposed to act. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're welcomed by God to welcome others. We're beggars who have been shown where the bread of life is that we might show others where they can find it as well. We don't just hoard it to ourselves as Christians, all right? We need to let this passage convict us if we're not serving others and loving the least of these because this is how we show our faith as Christians. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Um, there, there's people around you that might not be physically naked. If they are physically naked, that makes this a lot more tricky, by the way. Um, but... Sorry, stupid joke. But here's the deal. There's people around you who are are not physically naked, but spiritually they're exposed and vulnerable. They're helpless and they're afraid. And we need to offer of ourselves to cover them, right? We need to protect the least of these and who don't have a voice for themselves. Amen? Amen. Um, The sick and those who are in prison, we need to take a step outside of our comfort zones and serve them and reach them. All right, because you might not see it on the outside, And that, I think, is the point of this. You might not see it on the outside, but there are hundreds of people around you that are just enslaved to sin, all right? They're in prisons of perdition, and they're incarcerated in cells of shame. (laughs) We need to share Jesus with them because the gospel truth will set them free, amen? Amen. There's plenty of naked people, naked people around us that need to be clothed by the king, and we need to show them where they can get a robe of righteousness, Verse 37, then the righteous will answer saying, Lord, Jesus, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger or welcome you or naked and clothe you? I know I haven't seen a naked Jesus running around. And when did we see you in, as sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. This right here is for your answer for how we ought to serve. All right? We ought to serve the least of these as if we were serving Christ Jesus himself. It's right there in the text. You did it to me. When we serve others, Jesus counts that as serving him. So, it's a simple three-word or three-letter fill in the blank. We serve others how we would serve Jesus. That's how we serve. We serve as we would be serving Jesus. Um, Back to the question I asked you at the very beginning of our message. We talked about the least we can do. Um, Do you guys see how insulting it would be um, to ask Jesus, (laughs) well, what's the least I can do if I'm serving Jesus, right? Um, Can you imagine asking Jesus that to his face? Like if Jesus were coming over to your house for uh, for dinner, would you roll out the garbanzo beans, right? Now, if all you have is garbanzo beans, right? Hear me, and I'm speaking figuratively here. Um, If that's all you have, that's fine. Give him what you have. But for most of us, we have more. If Jesus were coming over to your house for dinner, would you just roll out the old can of beans from the pantry, or would you take out your very best cut of meat, and would you care it with the utmost care and attention you could? What if Jesus came to your door and asked you for a coat? Would you give him the ratted old coat? By the way, this coat would not fit Jesus, okay? Um, Would you give him the rattled old coat from the back of your closet or would you give him the coat off your back? 
if Jesus were in the hospital, or if you had visiting hours with Jesus, would you say, well, what's the shortest amount of time I can spend in my quiet time today? What's the shortest amount of time to say, well, at least I did something? What's the least you can do? No, that's not the question we Christians ask when it comes to the least of these. We don't love the least of these with the least amount of love we can muster up. No, (laughs) guys, we must serve others in the same way that we would serve King Jesus himself. And that's what's going to set us apart as Christians. They will know we are Christians by our love. And now I want to look at those who aren't Christ followers. I want to look at the goats, because that's where Jesus goes next. Verse 41, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you didn't do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This goes beyond parable here, guys. This is what will happen at the end of time. At the end of our days, Christ will look back on the life of true Christ followers and he'll see how we ministered to others, all right? But he won't see that with the goats, all right? No, with the the goats, he'll see how they neglected those around them in need. And if he sees any sort of serving from them, all right, he'll see right through them, all right? He'll see that all that serving was self-serving and that they were just exercises in self-righteousness. I told you guys, this parable points to how the true Christian serves. We don't ask what's the least we can do. No, we as Christians, we ask ourselves, what's the most we can do when it comes to the least of these? When it comes to the least of these, it's not, oh, well, it's the least I can do. No, when it comes to the least of these, we ask, what's the most we can do? When we serve others, when we love the least of these, when we selflessly sacrifice, we do it like we're doing it for Christ. And this is the question that undergirds all of our thinking when it comes to the least of these. Um, I want you to consider for a second heaven and what ministry will look like up there. And now consider what ministry might look like here on this earth and how they're different. Because here's the deal. In heaven, um, there aren't people that are starving for your attention, all right? Um, There aren't people that are thirsty just for an ounce of care and concern from you. Um, In heaven, there aren't naked, exposed, vulnerable people that you can be a part of clothing and protecting. In heaven, there aren't people that are crying out for you to reach them with the gospel truth, all right, for you to just sit down and visit with them. Guys, here on this earth, we have such an opportunity that we won't have for the rest of eternity to serve Christ Jesus himself. And if we're asking, oh, what's the least I can do? What's the bare minimum? What's the shortest amount? What's the shortest distance I have to go to say that I at least tried? Guys, they're missing out. We're missing out on giving Jesus the most valuable thing we can give him here on this earth. But as I wrap this up, I told you we'd talk about what. I told you we'd talk about how. And now I want to talk about why. Why would we want to serve Christ at all? I mean, what's so nice about serving Christ? Um, Well, so far I've told you this. 
I've told you that serving others will destroy the selfishness inside of you as a believer, all right? And I told you how we serve others. We serve others as though we're serving Christ himself. But here, right here, guys, is why we delight in serving Christ. We delight in serving Christ because Christ Jesus became the least of these for our sake, that we might have a part, we might have a place in heaven most high. Jesus Christ became the least of these. And this is why we serve. Guys, if Jesus became the least of these for our sake, then loving the least of these, this is how we get to show Jesus our gratitude. And this right here, this this is the heartbeat of Christianity. It's what gives the Christian his red-hot passion for serving others. It's what has inspired the selfless sacrifice of all the saints throughout history. All right? Guys, um, this is what motivates the ministry of the martyrs that have marched before us, that Jesus Christ became the least of these to give us a place in heaven most high. Um, I want to sing a song now for you guys. Um, So I'm going to get that set. And guys, as I'm singing this song, this song points to um, how Christ Jesus became the least of these for our sake. Um, I would encourage you to be thinking, how can you become the least of these for someone else's sake? Um, but I need these lyrics to resound with you. I need these lyrics to land in your heart. Um, because again, they landed in the hearts of thousands of our Christian brothers and sisters who have gone before us, and it's what's inspired them. I do believe it will inspire us today if we let it. I'm a stranger in a foreign land Passing through, when will I be home again? You remind me that nothing here is permanent But your love and your faithfulness I was hungry, I was thirsty I was weary, you let me in. When love became a refugee, he became my refuge. When love became a prisoner, he set me free. The widow and the orphan became the bride and children when he stole my heart between two thieves. That's when love became the least of these. I'm a beggar on the pilgrim's road, chasing echoes of a voice I hear. Among the poor, I'm a stranger in a foreign land. Oh, the memories of the love that caused the broken things to mend. When love became a refugee, he became my refuge. When love became a prisoner, he set me free. The widow and the orphan became the bride and children when he stole my heart between two thieves. That's when love became the least of these. For I was hungry, I was thirsty, 
I was weary, you let me in. And where you're hungry, where you're thirsty, where you're weary, all he lets you in. When love became a refugee, he became my refuge. When love became a prisoner, he set me free. All the widow and the orphan became the bride and children. And he stole my heart between two thieves. That's when love became the least of these when he stole my heart between two thieves that's when love became the least of these can I give this to you man um by the way, that's Josh. He's uh he's visiting our church today, and he's uh, he's playing with us. Thank you for serving us, man. I appreciate that. Um, I've talked a lot about what we as Christians do that sanctifies us from the selfishness inside of us. We serve others, and I've talked about how we do it. We don't look at the bare minimum or the least we can do. We look at what's the most we can give heaven. What's the most we can offer of ourselves to serve King Jesus? And that song I just sang, it points to why we serve others. We give and we serve and we sacrifice because Christ became the least of these for our sake. We don't simply serve because the Bible tells us so. We don't simply serve because we're afraid of eternal punishment. No, we don't serve even because we think we can earn our way into heaven. No, we give our life for others because he gave his life for us. Amen? We give our lives, we give of ourselves, we sacrifice, we serve because he did all of those things first for us when we didn't deserve them at all. And guys, that's the gospel. And I can tell you from, the, from experience that the very best thing for me in my life, all right, has been serving others, giving my life for these three L's, for the last, the lost, and the least of these There's so much joy to be found in denying yourself and serving others. Because when you put others first and you put yourself last, suddenly the needs that constantly weighed on your heart, they become the last thing in your mind. All right? And when you serve the lost, you know what you find? You find joy, especially as they find Christ and something they might not have found had you not spoken up. And when you give your utmost for the least of these you find the most valuable thing a man or a woman can find on this earth. And that's the meaning of your life. The meaning of your life is to be found, I'm telling you, in obedience to Christ. Number one, yes, it's getting saved. And number two is serving and loving and sacrificing as he did. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. For when we were homeless, God, banished from the Garden of Eden, you left your home in heaven, to bring us home with you. And when we were naked and ashamed, exposed by all of our sin, you became naked and crucified on a criminal's cross to clothe us in your righteousness. When we were hungry for something real, you brought the gospel truth that fed our souls and set us free. And when we were thirsty for love and looking for it in all the wrong places, you gave us love unconditional 
that saved our souls. And Jesus, even when we were sick and contagious, even when we were dying of a disease that we chose for ourselves, Jesus, you came near. You stooped down low and you touched our very hearts and you died for our cure. You became a refugee to be our refuge. You became a prisoner to set us free. You became the least of these that we might be your hands and feet, that we might be a part of reaching out to all the other least of these. And God, we give you not just our least, we give you the most right now. Church, I encourage you not to hold back. Church, I encourage you don't, don't not leave it all out here on the court, all right? Pour out your heart to him. It's his breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. It's his life that he's given us, so we give it back to him joyfully, willingly. It's the least we can do. God, we thank you. I pray you now hear our worship. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. You guys can stand. Let's sing together. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bentree Church. To get connected at Bentree and for more information, please visit BentreeChurch.com.